Welcome everybody, this is Rick Wilson and I am coming from the beautiful shores of the East Bay near Pensacola, Florida. This is the Supernatural Won't Power Podcast. It's a beautiful day here on the bay and just going to take a moment and kind of breathe in the salt air and oh, just, just think how beautiful the setting is this afternoon. Even on a kind of a cloudy day where the sun is behind the clouds, it's still beautiful because just something about the salt air and and the the bay is calm today and you look out over the bay and off in the distance there I see uh, the bridge the three mile bridge um, that uh, is right next to Pensacola Beach and over the horizon I can I can see Pensacola Beach off in the distance I'm about oh 15 minutes from Pensacola Beach every day I broadcast from right here on my dock in my backyard. It's wonderful to live here. I'm uh, just right outside Gulf Breeze, Florida, between Gulf Breeze and Navarre, Florida. Been here a year and uh, just started this brand new podcast. It's called the Supernatural Won't Power Broadcast. And hopefully you will share this with people, uh, people that you know that it might be you. Maybe you're struggling with an addiction of some sort. It could be an addiction of any kind, or maybe you know someone in your family, or you have a friend who suffers with an addiction. I'm an addict. Uh, I've been clean now for 16 years, and thank God every day that uh, I'm sober. My life took a drastic turn for the better when I got clean and sober on December 1st, 2003. See, I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget that time of day. It was about 10 o'clock in the morning when... I finally made my decision. You know what? I've had enough of this life. I've had enough of being an addict. I was a, a methamphetamine addict, and you're going you're gonna to hear a lot about that. I tell you, this is not a perfect broadcast, not a perfect podcast, in that uh, every once in a while the breeze is going to blow into the microphone, and you're going to hear that. But, you know, I could go to a silent room somewhere so that it would be perfect conditions, but you don't get any more perfect conditions than being out here on the water. And the reason I like to do my podcast out here on the water is because it's so inspiring. One thing I've learned since we moved here a year ago that the first thing I realize when I come out here to the water, I have a dock that goes out probably some 50 yards, maybe more, maybe 75 yards out into the water from my backyard. I realize as soon as I step out here on the dock how close I am to God. And I know that doesn't really make sense because God is is as close as uh, he ever is no matter where we are. But there's something about being out here on this water and and just uh, the, the 360 panoramic view that you have. Uh, it's just, I can't describe the feeling. And, and it has changed my life over the last year. You know, when uh, I retired early at uh, 61 and went home and told my wife that that I felt like the Lord was leading us to move to Florida, uh, I couldn't have imagined living here. I, I assumed that when we moved to Florida, we were just going to live in a house somewhere inland, close to the beach. Never would have imagined that we would end up actually on the water. And um, someday I'll go through our story how we actually ended up right here in more detail. But but right now I want to I want to talk to you today about weakness. And I'm titling all of my podcasts so that uh, 
when you go to look at a podcast and you want to you want to share one with a friend, it's not going to have a title. I was going to you know just call them episode one, episode two, episode three, but that really doesn't tell you what the episode is about. So I'm going to title each episode. Yesterday's uh, podcast was. Can I even remember what it was? I'm thinking now. What was it? Uh, I don't know. I'm getting old. It doesn't matter. But today we're going to be talking about weakness. The title of our podcast today is I Am Weak. Oh yeah, I remember what yesterday was now. I Am The Problem. Remember we talked about the fact that until we come to the realization that we are the problem, we are never going to get well. And see, that's what this podcast is all about. It's helping you get well. I don't have to do it. I don't get paid for it. But there are spiritual dividends that one receives when one shares the good news, when I tell somebody what God has done for me, it just multiplies the kingdom. You know, a guy doesn't have to get paid for everything he does. You know, when I, when I retired from the ministry, and when I say I retired, I didn't retire with benefits and, and a pension and all that. I just, I walked away from it because it was time to walk away from it. I knew that God wanted me to walk away from it. And uh, the day I realized he wanted me to walk away from it, I knew that at that moment that God was moving us to Florida. I, I kind of had some ideas as to what I would do here, but none of them were right. Oh, I had a grandiose plan. Oh, there were a number of things I was going to do. But none of them came to fruition. None of them were realized because they weren't God's plans. So God settled us here in the uh, the East Bay, and we got settled in here, and we got our kids in school. And and um, I tell you what, I've spent many a night out here on the bay, just me and God. There's something about being out here in the middle of the night, and you hear the sea creatures out here, and you wonder, what is that? Is that a dolphin? Is it a shark? Is it a stingray? Is it Loch Ness? What is it? What is this sound I'm hearing when you're... Because it's, it's totally dark out here now on a clear night when the, the moon is out and the stars are out and you can actually see the water. Man, I tell you, there is nothing like it. Absolutely nothing like it. In fact, um, one of these nights I'm, I'm actually going to sleep out here. I want to know what it's like to sleep out here under the stars on the dock with the water all around me. But being out here brings me so close to God and I feel his presence out here. And that's one of the reasons that I do the podcast out here. So you're going to hear the wind blow on the microphone. It's not going to be a perfect podcast, but hopefully um, you'll be able to hear the message. And I think that you will. I don't think you'll have any problem understanding what I'm trying to say. Well, when we were kids... What was one of the first songs that we learned when we were children, especially those of us who were raised up in the church? It was Jesus Loves Me, wasn't it? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. My little boy Bryson always sings, little ones to here below. I don't quite get the words right, but little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. And you know, that song really says a lot. 
That song contains the whole gospel. And one little child's song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, and we're all his little ones. We're all his children. Have you ever thought about that? That you are God's child? You know, when I started adopting children, Teresa and I started adopting children eight years ago, and and um, I never really realized that you could love a child even though the child wasn't your own flesh and blood, I didn't realize how much you could love a little child. It's amazing. Little ones to him belong. I now have five adopted children. I have a four-year-old, little Janie, and five-year-old Bryson, eight-year-old Gracie, 11-year-old Katie, and 14-year-old Sean. And you know what I've learned from being an adopted father? I've learned how much God loves me. Now, I still can't fathom the magnitude of that love that, that he has for me, but having these children has, has given me a new perception of, of God's love for me because I, in a sense, am one of his adopted children. And he created us all. But when we come to the realization that Jesus loves us, that he died for us so that we could live, and we accept the work that he did on the cross for us, when we accept that, we become God's adopted child. Now, this is a faith-based approach to recovery. And you may say, well, you know, I'm, I don't believe in God. You don't have to believe in God to listen to this podcast. We're going to be talking about that in a few days. You don't have to believe in God and you may never believe in God, but there's a chance that you will. Just because you believe something today doesn't mean, first of all, that it's the truth. And secondly, doesn't mean that a month from now or six months from now or a year from now that you'll still not believe. Because if you really want to believe in God... God has to reveal himself to you. And he will do that when he knows you're in a position for him to get your attention. And a drug addict like me, I had to, I had to have the bottom fall out of my life before he could get my attention. You know, I didn't really think I believed. For 25 years, I, just, I, I didn't care if I believed. I, it just didn't matter to me, I thought. But you know, I can be a pretty big talker, and it's real easy to say, "I don't, I don't know if I believe in God. I, I don't know. I just, just don't know." Well, you know, it's, it's easy to say, but in your heart of hearts, if you were lying on your deathbed right now, right now, and you knew in five minutes that you were going to die, would you feel that way about God? If you knew the lights were going out in five minutes, you were saying goodbye to your family, and you knew that the plug was going to be pulled, and in five minutes, your life was over, would you believe there was a God? Something to think about, isn't it? But back to the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yesterday, we talked about the fact that until we come to the realization that we are the problem. I am the problem, Lord. It's no one else's fault. 
Yeah, maybe a lot of things have happened to me in my life that weren't good. But the reason I'm where I'm at today is because of the decisions I made as a result of what's happened to me. Bottom line, it all falls back in our lap. Bottom line, we have to take responsibility for where we are. We are here because we made the decisions that landed us here. You may be better, very bitter today and very angry about that. And I understand that. I've been there. You know, God brought me to Florida because I still had a lot of bitterness and anger. And it seemed like I really couldn't get rid of that bitterness and anger as long as I was around the church and people in the church. Why? Because that's who I was angry at. You say, Rick, you were a minister for 13 years and you were angry? Yeah, I was. I was. I had to get over that. God brought me to Florida and put me right out here on this dock where I'm doing my podcast today. And that's where he started tenderizing my heart. You know why? Because people aren't perfect. What makes you think people in a church are going to be perfect? You know, we always say, oh, I don't go to church because of the hypocrites. We're all hypocrites. You're a hypocrite every day. I'm a hypocrite. We're always going to be hypocrites. Why? Because we always are going to be sinners. They're not a one of us perfect. Now, I understand there's a lot of people in church that, that claim to be one thing and act like another. Okay, yeah, they're hypocrites. But even those of us who really, in our heart of hearts, try to do what God wants us to do, we let God down every day. And in a sense, we're all hypocrites. And God brought me to this place out here on this dock, and he began to tenderize my heart. I had to let go of a lot of things. We don't talk about everything that went on in my ministry over the last 13 years, but we're in time, we're going to talk about a lot of things. And in time, we're going to talk about some things in my life that are very embarrassing for me. Why? Because I want to get to the root cause of, of, of why I do the things I do. You see, yesterday we, we, we talked about the fact until I come to the realization that I'm the problem, I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing. When I come to the realization that I am the problem, suddenly I have to examine my life and examine myself. And that's what really changes us. I am the problem. So we've come to that conclusion, or I've come to that conclusion. You may not have come to that conclusion yet. It may take you a while to come to that conclusion that you are the problem. I know, though, that I am the problem. I also know that I am weak. I am weak, but he is strong. Say it with me. I am weak. You are. In our own power, we're all weak. In our own power, we are all weak. But he is strong. We use the 12 steps in this program. The 12 steps were written by Bill Wilson, the founder of AA, and let me tell you this, folks. First of all, you are not going to be able to get well by yourself. No man is an island. You didn't get sick by yourself, and you can't get well by yourself. You can't isolate yourself and say, oh, just me and God, we're going to work this out. No. No. You're going to need people in your life. AA 
has saved the lives of many people. The way I got well is, is I began to teach a program right after I got clean and sober called Celebrate Recovery. It comes out of Rick Warren's church. John Baker, who I believe died of cancer not too long ago, founded the program, wrote the program, but he used the 12 steps from Alcoholics Anonymous. The 12 steps. And these are steps that you work. If you know somebody that said, I'm going to get clean and sober, but they always seem to end up right back where they were. Know people like that? I do. I have people in my own life who I've watched get off and on and off and on that merry-go-round. Oh, I'm going to get clean and sober. I'm going to stay away from it. Going to quit going to the dope man's house. Well, that's all fine. But that's not enough. You are going to have to have some support. Why? Because you are weak. If you are willing to stick a needle in your arm, to have some kind of joy in your life. You may think it takes a lot of courage to do that. It really doesn't take courage to stick a needle in your arm. You stick a needle in your arm because you're weak. You drink, and you drink too much, not because you're courageous, but because you're weak. You didn't get sick by yourself. You will not get well by yourself. You need people around you who are going through the same thing that you're going through. Jesus knew this when he came to the earth and he began to do his ministry. What's the first thing he do when G- what's the first thing he did when he began to do his public ministry? He drafted 12 men. He walked up and down the Sea of Galilee and there he drafted his two two, two first disciples. Yeah. I walked along that Sea of Galilee one time about four years ago I stood in the place where they believe Jesus recruited his first two disciples I stood in the place where they say Jesus with his new transfigured body cooked fish for breakfast for the disciples who were out fishing let me tell you you want to get goosebumps you want to have the hair stand up on the back of your neck stand where you think Jesus might have stood with his new body cooking breakfast for the disciples Yeah. Imagine. Imagine. Jesus knew the importance of a support group. Jesus knew the importance. Jesus was the king of the world, the king of heaven. Jesus was the son of God. But he also knew that he needed people. So do you. You are weak. And you know, I I still struggle with, with going to church. Um... I'm, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable in church. I don't really like it. But I've spent some time away from church to try to get through some of the problems that I've had with it. And I always end up back in church. Church is not a perfect place full of perfect people. It's an imperfect place full of imperfect people. See, we expect church to be something that it can never be. In fact, if the church is full of a bunch of people who have got their act together, that's not a church at all. That's heaven. A real church should be full of a bunch of people who don't have it together, who are messed up, 
the church should be a really ugly place. Your feelings are going to get hurt. You're going to do dumb things to other people. People are going to do dumb things to you. Your preacher's not going to be perfect. But that shouldn't keep us away. The church is not perfect. But God did not mean for us to be on this journey by ourselves. Now, doesn't mean every church you go to is going to accept you. If you're a drug addict, there's a lot of churches that they would love to be able to help you, they'd love to be able to accept you, but they just don't know how to do that. When I was the pastor of the alley, which was a church that, that we were known for helping drug addicts and, and uh, anybody that needed help, prostitutes, homeless, hungry, uh, it, it just didn't matter who you were, we, we accepted you because Jesus taught that the lowly here on earth are the ones that are going to be exalted in heaven. Those were the people I wanted to minister to. I wanted to minister to the sick who knew they were sick, not those who didn't think they were sick. But I would get calls from ministers or people in other churches. One time I remember getting a call from a guy on Sunday morning. A homeless man had showed up at their church, and they were about to start church. It was getting really close. They were panicking because it was time to start church, and, and they had this homeless man, homeless man standing in their lobby, and they didn't know what to do with him. So they called me because that's what I did. I took in the homeless at our church. And they, they called it and kind of in a panic, what do we do? We, we, we need to do something. What do we do, Rick? And I'm like, he's at your church. You're telling me he's standing in your lobby and you're calling me? What are you calling me for? Do something. It's what the church is all about. But you're going to find as a drug addict that not every church is going to accept you. Okay? I think it's important for drug addicts and alcoholics to find a church where they can, can be accepted. But they're hard to find. They're hard to find. But let me tell you, they're out there. They're out there. And what you have to do, if you get really serious about wanting to find a church to be a part of, ask God to show you where to go. Ask God to direct you. He will. You see, we are weak, and we need a community of believers if we are a believer. We need a, a community of believers to, to, to be around who understand each other. If you're a drug addict or you're an alcoholic, and you're on the journey of recovery and you're trying to get well, then you need to be around people who are going through the same thing that you are going through. It is vital. It is it is imperative. It is so important that you understand this concept. Why? Because I am weak. On my own, I can't do it. You see, God works through his people. God doesn't get out a megaphone and give you instructions. Yes, you can have a personal, supernatural encounter with God and your life can change but God speaks to you through his written word. He speaks to you through his spirit, communicating with your spirit. And he also speaks to you through other people. So what you need to understand at this point is this journey of recovery is not to be traveled alone. 
So I began to teach this program called Celebrate Recovery. And in this program, Celebrate Recovery, look for uh, a Celebrate Recovery near you. They're all around the world. They're in every town. Look and you'll find one. And in this program, you're going to work the 12 steps. There are 12 steps, 12 principles that help us achieve a life of sobriety. The first step that you're going to learn when you become a part of a recovery program or go to rehab or any faith-based 12-step program, the first step is this. We admitted we were powerless over our addictions and that our lives had become unmanageable. Do you hear that? We admitted we were powerless over our addictions and our lives had become unmanageable. The first part of that step, it's not so difficult. It's not so difficult for us to say, okay, I admit I'm powerless over this cocaine. You know what? Last night, in fact, it wasn't even last night. This morning I went and worked out at the gym, came back, and and Teresa was gone, and my mother-in-law, they, they were gone. My mother-in-law was living with us, and they'd gone to town, and I laid down took a little snooze. Nothing better than a little snooze in the middle of the day, you know? You know what I dreamed about? Snorting cocaine. That's what I dreamed about. And you know, I even got the same buzz that I got. I got the head buzz and everything in my sleep, in my dream. I dreamed I was snorting cocaine. It, it, it amazes me that I still, in my dream, get the same sensation that I got from snorting cocaine in real life. And it, it's easy to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm powerless over my addiction. I understand that my addiction is bigger than me. But I wouldn't say that my life's unmanageable. You may say, I've never been arrested. Uh, I get up and I go to work every day. I take care of my family. Okay. Good for you. I didn't do those things that well. But if you're living a life right now that could get you arrested this afternoon, even though you've never been arrested, even though you don't have a record, never you've never been to jail, you've never you've you've never uh, been there. If you were to be stopped this afternoon and went to jail because you had dope in your pocket, guess what? Your life's unmanageable. Just because it's never happened doesn't mean that you're managing your life. That only means you've never been caught. We... Admitted we were powerless over our addictions that our lives had become unmanageable. When I was uh, in the throes of my addiction, never left the house without some dope in my pocket, paraphernalia in the glove box, an open beer in my cup holder. I mean, I look back on those days and I think, what in the world was I thinking? What in the world was I thinking? I remember driving through little towns in the middle of the night. I'm a musician. I'm a singer. And, and I mentioned a couple of days ago that I, I play at all the venues here in Florida, all the restaurants on the beach from 
from Destin to Pensacola Beach to Gulf Shores, Alabama, even go over to Pan- uh, Panama City Beach and play sometimes. And and um, I remember traveling through little towns at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning with one hand over one eye because I was so drunk that if I didn't do that, I was seen double. And I remember those nights pulling up to a stoplight with a cop standing, sitting, you know, sitting there at the light as well. Thinking, oh, tonight's the night. Had a lot of close calls, went to jail a couple times, but was released and um, had the cops search my car one time in the middle of the night. Tore my car apart, looking for dope. Thought I was a, thought I was a big drug dealer, and and I remember they they didn't find anything. Just so happened I smoked the last bit of my weed, and so there was nothing in the car. And uh, I remember them just leaving me standing in the middle of the road, barefoot. <clears throat> He was so angry they didn't find anything because they knew that I was going to be a big score. The point of all of this is that my life was completely unmanageable and out of control. Why in the world would I drive in the middle of the night in some town coming from a, a show somewhere with, somewhere with dope in the car, drunk at 4 o'clock in the morning? I was asking to go to jail. My life was unmanageable. If you have ever driven with a buzz, your life is unmanageable. Anytime you're willing to take a risk of that magnitude to maintain your buzz or to get a buzz, your life's unmanageable. Why? Because you are weak. There's some principles that we have to understand. If we're going to get well, we have to understand, first of all, that we're sick. If you're not willing to admit you're sick, then you're not going to be able to get well. There's a lot of things that we're going to have to admit. And that's, that's the tough part of recovery. There's things you're going to have to talk about with people that you don't really want to talk to them about. I've got some things I'm going to be sharing with you on this podcast very soon that are very, very embarrassing. And I never shared them with anybody until, you know, 15 years ago. But it's when I started sharing those things about me that were terribly embarrassing that I actually began to be set free from the prison that those things had put me in. You see, it takes a lot of courage to get well, folks. It takes a real man to quit doping it up. It takes a real woman takes a person who really, really wants to change. You've got to get to the point where you're willing to do whatever it takes. You know, people used to come see me in my office when I used to basically be a drug counselor, a self-appointed drug counselor. I have no degree. I don't have any, you know, all I have is life experiences. But let me tell you, though, sometimes those are the best. People come to see me, you know, they, the idea of getting clean and sober sounds like a great idea, especially if you're on probation. You know, if if you're on house arrest, if you're in jail or going to jail, you know, you're always ready to talk then. Yeah, I'm ready to get well. I'm ready to get well. And I'd always ask two questions. The first one was, are you ready to get well? Boy, immediate answer. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Second question from me would always be, okay, then are you willing to do whatever it takes to get well? Sometimes I'd get an immediate yes from people who are really, really serious. Yes, yes, it's just immediate yes. I, I don't care what it takes. I want to do it. 
But so many people, more people than not, would say, well, what do you mean? Whatever it takes. And my response would be, well, whatever it takes means whatever it takes. What do you mean? Well, it means whatever it takes. It takes a strong person or a person who's willing to become strong to say, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Because we understand, or we have to come to the understanding that that we are weak in our own power. Step one says, we admitted we were powerless. That's where you're at today. If you want to get well, you have to admit that this thing's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. And that's okay. First of all, it's all right to be powerless because if you don't come to that realization that you're powerless, you're not going to be able to acquire the power that God wants to give you to get well. You see, it's almost kind of like becoming a superhero. Right now we're weak, we have no power. But we have this encounter with God at some point. It's a supernatural encounter. Anytime you have an encounter with God, you have to realize that this takes place in a heavenly realm. You may be here on earth, but when you have an interaction with God, suddenly you are transported to a different dimension. You get that? When you talk to God, you're talking to heaven. When you are having an encounter with God, you are having an encounter with a being in a heavenly place. It's no longer earthly. And when you have an encounter with this supernatural God, he will empower you with supernatural power. And you know where this power comes from? The same power that God used to create the universe, he wants to put inside of you. Whoa. Yeah. God is not selfish with his power. Because he understands on our own, we have none. We have no power. The same power that raised Lazarus from the grave. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave. That power that Jesus used to raise Lazarus from the grave is the same power that he uses on you to raise you from the grave. You see, because if you're in the throes of an addiction today and your life is unmanageable, you are in a grave. You are in a grave. You are separated from God. And when we have this encounter with God and we ask him to come into our lives and into our hearts and we ask him to take over our minds and we ask him to live in us, suddenly we are transformed. And we now live in a different realm. Yeah, our feet are walking on earth, but our spirit is in a heavenly place. Do you ever think about that? We are all heavenly beings You didn't create yourself. 
You can't tell yourself when to have a heart attack and when not to have a heart attack. You have no control over when or if you get cancer or if cancer is going to go into remission. God has control over all of that. That's right. It's not your body. You're His. You are His prized possession. And so what do we do as His prized possession? We abuse ourselves. Because we don't understand the access we have. We don't understand that we're children of God. We don't understand that. We don't really think about that. But do you realize you are created in his image and that God wants to have this relationship with you but because of our selfishness and our sinful nature we are cut off from him and and you may not buy into any of this that's okay you don't have to I'm not here to twist your arm and get you to believe something you don't want to believe all I'm sharing with you is what's happened to me and you cannot tell me what's happened to me isn't real I was there. And I've been there for the last 16 years. Someday soon I'll tell you the story of how God raised my own little boy, my five-year-old boy when he was three years old, around in the pool, the family pool. And we found him dead. And I watched God raise him back to life. I'm not going to go into details on that right now. And you may think, oh no, he didn't do that. No, I was there. I was there. I watched my little boy's eyes open up. He wasn't asleep. He was dead. You see, Jesus wants to raise you from the dead. If you're an out-of-control addict or an out-of-control alcoholic, you're dead on the inside. That's why you do the things you do, because you're dead on the inside. You have no feelings on the inside. If you're an alcoholic today, let me share this finally, then we'll close. If you're an alcoholic, you know what that means? That means that you love alcohol more than you love anything or anybody in this world. You may say, oh, no, no, I love my family more than alcohol. No, you don't. I used to think that, that when I was a meth head that, that I love my wife more than meth. No, I didn't. I love meth more than my wife. I am weak. You are weak. And I'm going to pray right now, God, for anyone who's listening today, I would pray that these words might speak to them and and their heart might be touched by the words that were spoken on this podcast today and that their minds and their hearts might be just, just might become open to the idea, okay, maybe God is real. We might just be willing to admit today that we're weak. Amen going to wrap up our podcast today. My kids are getting off the bus and have a crazy life when my kids get off the bus. Homework, baths, got to feed them. And, uh, but it's, it's a wonderful crazy. It's a wonderful crazy. Mainly I have to go up and get my wife in line because she, she's the one that goes crazy. <laughs> but it's all right. It's a wonderful craziness around here. And my wonderful, crazy life that I enjoy today started 16 years ago when I got clean and sober. 
So I wish you the best, and we will see you tomorrow. Tell your friends about this podcast. Let's go to Spotify. Doesn't matter where you are in the world. Tune us in. Spotify, go to Rick Wilson. Supernatural won't power. Peace out, everybody. May God be with you. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow.